VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from The Times. Go to thetimes.co.uk. The Rugby World Cup from The Times with Mark Suster. We'll be with you every week with the latest from the tournament, looking at the prospects for the home nations and the other big guns, of course, and reviewing all the action on and off the field. Find it at thetimes.co.uk or in iTunes. Welcome to the Game Podcast, a football podcast that would never throw away a two-goal lead. Today I'm joined by Stuart Robson, Peter Lansley, and of course, Alison Rudd. Later on we'll be debating the ridiculous footballers on drug stories, but first, we have some amazing action to cover. How about we start at Old Trafford? Um, Stuart, this is the best ever start for Sir Alex Ferguson as manager of Manchester United. Um, we always used to say, oh, look, United start slowly. Uh, now they're not starting slowly. Does this mean that they're scarily good? They are playing very well in attacking sen- in attacking sense. They've got so they've got their signings in er- early. They're playing a very open game. Their fullbacks are getting high up the field. They've got a good system about playing out from the back. The front players are linking up well. You know, it hasn't always been Hernandez. Uh, it was Welbeck that started the season in, in terrific form. Uh, obviously, they've got energy in midfield areas, but I still think they've got problems defensively. And I think that over the course of the season, they will be caught out if they play this system for too long because the fullbacks play so high when they give the ball away. They're so open to the counter-attack even against Benfica Benfica well, I didn't think were a particularly good side still had opportunity to score against Manchester United Chelsea had lots of opportunity to score against Manchester even Arsenal losing 8-2 had lots of opportunity to score against Manchester United yes they're playing very well but I still think they've got defensive problems particularly in that central midfield area Gab can I come in there because I, I, I totally agree with that and it's exhilarating there's a zest about their play but when you're holding midfielder is Anderson he's not exactly going to sit and mind the shop too much is he He's, he's a creator. He's someone who you might have imagined would be playing in the hole, the way he sprays the passes and everything. But I think it just makes it all the more entertaining, doesn't it? Um, Alison, I will now make a reading from the book of K, uh, Ollie <laughs> K, that is. Journalism is about telling the readers who, what, where, when, why, and how. With that in mind, Manchester United beat Chelsea 3-1 at Old Trafford yesterday afternoon. But explaining why and how the scoreline ended up like that will require rather more telling. Um, you agree with that? Was this one of those nutty games that could have finished, you know, 8-5? Uh, I don't think it was that... I don't think it was that nutty. I think people are saying it was a basket case sort of football because because the defenders, as Stuart was saying, the defenders, Manchester United defenders, they just bomb forward. 
I mean, when when um, Ferguson signed F- uh, Phil Jones, I, d- I think people thought, yeah, you know, he could, he could grow to be quite a mature, you know, defender. He seems to read the game quite well. No one expected him to be part of almost every attack and, and, and Chris Smalling uh, as well when he was at Fulham I saw him and I thought he was almost quite a tentative player and suddenly they're all that, that's, that's, what, that, that's why people are calling it nutty because Manchester United are getting players in attacking positions who A have no history of doing it and B from a formation point of view is sort of um, it's, it's just not going by the book it doesn't well, fit what, what any What Manchester United are doing they're making the pitch massive when they've got the ball their fullbacks play high and wide the wingers play high and wide Hernandez is trying to make runs in behind there's a little bit of space that Rooney can come off in the centre halves drop deep to, to start the play and, and go round the back so but the trouble is when the, that's great when they've got the ball and it's making it difficult for the opposition to stop them playing but when they lose the ball they're also open to the counter-attack okay but so is and this, yeah, is so, this... yeah so, so to finish to finish the what, where, how, when so yes all that is true all that is true and the reason it wasn't 4-4 is because uh, Chelsea just just were not clinical they had they, well, they, they you know exactly what ha- should have happened did happen United were open at the back Chelsea exposed that but did not finish Okay, uh, but I'm, I'm interested in this concept. But before we get to, to Chelsea, um, is this by design? Is this some kind of paradigm shift where you know Sir Alex is, is playing a new type of football where they where they're more attacking by design, or is there maybe a flaw there? And, and you know, Phil Jones and, and, and Smalling and are, are very good individually, but let's not forget, you know, United's starters or the people who were the starters last season, who I think are still pretty good, aren't there. Um, there's no, you know, the real Darren Fletcher isn't in midfield, not yet anyway. Um, and Peter, the United have conceded, I saw this incredible stat, they have conceded more shots on goal than any other team in the Premier League. Um, the whole point of defending is to not allow the opposition to shoot on goal, right? Yeah, that's right. It depends where they're shooting from a little bit, I suppose. But I think he's, he's assessed what he's got. And with, you know, Ferdinand perhaps, um, you know, coming towards the end of his career, he's having to throw in the, the youngsters of Smalling and Jones alongside Johnny Evans, who's not the most experienced. I think it's just the old adage of attack is the best form of defence. Um like you say, Darren Fletcher's not back to his best. Carrick, who's a more cautious playmaker than Anderson, isn't perhaps good enough to get in that side anymore. So it's just like, we're going to score more goals than you. And the way it's going, I mean, that's a fantastic trend. If, if they can keep that up and they're winning games 4-2 or 3-1 or whatever, then that's, that's, that's a great thing for football, isn't it? We'd like it to go that way. But the, the greatest sides, the sides that go on and win, not, not just the, the Premier League, go on and win in Europe and go on and be top, top sides for many, many years, get the balance right between the attacking play and the defend, defensive play. Barcelona have been the top side recently, not just because they play expansive football and they play, they've got great movement and excellent passable, it's because they also defend very well from the front and they press the ball mm. and they stop the opposition playing. If Manchester United allow the opposition to, to counter-attack them and I, there's several reasons I think they, they're doing that I don't think it's by design I think Rooney doesn't work hard enough as the forward uh, the player behind the main striker he's got sorry, to be a sorry, did midfield did just criticise Wayne Rooney's work rate? Yes I did yeah. are we allowed to do that? We, you, <laughs> you certainly are I mean last year they lost at the Emirates because Wayne Rooney didn't work hard in midfield and, and Arsenal created a three versus two in there. if he's going to play at the top of a, of a, a midfield or the holding the withdrawn striker he has to work hard in defensive game he has to go and close down the, the holding midfield player for the opposition to allow 
allow whoever it may be, Anderson and Fletcher, to go 2v2 in the middle of the park. And then Evra now doesn't want to recover quite so quickly. His recovery runs against Benfica were astonishing. I couldn't believe that he, he didn't get absolutely rollicked at the end of the game for the way he recovered, not, not just for the goal, but in other situations. So there's certain aspects of Manchester United's play that still isn't good enough defensively. Stuart, I, w- I want to come back on that Rooney one, if I may, because yes. I think for years, when he was scoring sort of 12 goals a season, he was working his gonads off quite often, like left of a, an attacking three or whatever, and he was he was doing the, the doggy runs up and down, and we were saying, hang on a minute, he's one of Manchester United's most creative one of England's, well, England's best player let's free him up let's take the workload off his shoulders so that he can score more goals and create more now what you said about making the pitch big I totally agree with makes the hole in which their best player can receive the ball Absolutely. bigger so he's got more space he scored nine goals he's in the best form of his Absolutely. career I agree inside but what he has to do is when the opposition get the ball and we're not talking, I'm not talking about him racing 40-50 yards that sort of work right? I'm talking about just m- moving 5-10 yards just to stop the holding midfield player for the opposition starting to run the game and that's what he, when he wants to do it he'll do it very well he'll still be a, a brilliant player at times he gives the ball or if, if Manchester United give the ball he switches off and that's when the opposition starts to take control of the midfield it's, I'm talking about 5-10 yards run and being alert and that's the same with any forward player when you give the ball away you have to be in a, put yourself in a position to make it hard for the opposition to right. play past you let's go forward well let's look forward for United now because I think there's enough talent in, in, in United certainly at the back in midfield not 100% sure but I also I still believe we may see the best of Darren Fletcher or we may see Phil Jones in midfield at some point when the regulars return um or the guys who were the regulars, we don't know if we should still be calling them that. But does this mean then that United have another level to go to? Does this mean that, you know, if United's defending can can obviously be a a heck of a lot better than it is, does it mean that once they fix that, if they can be just as devastating at the other end of the pitch, um, they're going to be right up there with the very best sides in the world and maybe the very best sides that Sir Alex has ever had. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that probably yesterday, the, the match on Sunday was the worst that you'll see Man United play, I suspect, which is very, very scary. Their goalkeeper is only going to get better. Vidic has to come back. You know, to, it, they are only going to get better. Uh, Peter, let's talk some Torres, shall we? Mm. Um, James Ducker gave him a six and, and to be fair, I think it's one of those situations where it's a bit hard to rate the player because his movement was was very good. Um, he had a great finish for for his goal, I I thought. But yeah, he missed not just the one you know absurd sitter, but he missed the other one. So um, are these signs that he's turned the corner? Yeah, I think so. I think basically in parts of yesterday's game he was eight out of ten, and in parts of yesterday's game he was four out of ten. Hence, six is about justifiable. But you're right, his, his movement was much better. And even when he went the wrong way, you know, in the first half when he got that pass from Anderson, a misplaced pass, and, and cut back onto his right, it, the movement was still surprising and, and devastating, even if he scuffed the shot. And then, of course, the miss, the horrible miss, which is described as missing an open goal, was created because his movement to Ramirez's pass was absolutely split-second perfect. And the little um, step over was fantastic to fool to hear. And then, of course, the horrible finish. But it, those are signs that things are, are turning. And he now knows if he runs for the team, I know it's a bit sort of prosaic, but if he keeps making fantastic runs and links up with his 
then it will come back. I think he started to believe that, and that is how you turn the corner. Uh, going forward, is is Torres part of the solution? Because I'm, I'm looking, I mean, this has been a talking point all season. You know, which three guys does he play up front? I think everybody agrees, I please jump in if you disagree, that Mata should be one of the three up front. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's pretty much open season on the others. Uh, I thought Anelka looked much, much better than uh, than Sturridge uh, when he came on. Um, you have Didier Drogba uh, to come back. Uh, you have uh, the big man, Romelu Lukaku, who, who looks terrifying uh, for, for the opposition. And there's Torres. Alison, are we? Well, do you do you build the team around Torres? That's what he's got to decide. Well, that's, because no, 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 that's the, not what he decides. That's we know who decides that. Well, we know the, but, that's already been decided, and that's why Mata's there. But yeah, but what the second half showed was that if you feel you have to build the team around Torres, and then you should play Anelka. Th- th- then you play. You, then you 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 don't play Lampard, and you play three very attack-minded ah. players behind Torres. So he's getting yeah. service from all over the place mm. and everyone's going chip 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 and it's just lovely it's just yeah. lovely and all you need all you need is the old Torres back and it's sorted isn't it yeah, what, Peter, you go back to 4-2-3-1 then Alison for Chelsea well they look I mean I think so I I would be tempted now mm. if I was if I was in charge I'd be tempted to say really big up what happened in the second half so would you ask Lampard to play in a different United. position or would you ask Lampard to play a position where he sits on the bench well, that's right. If you're going to Either go to that shape, I think you, you leave Lampard out, don't you? Unless you just accept he's going to hold. But then that takes away what Lampard's best at. And he doesn't want to do it anyway, he says. No. Um, but I, I wanted to ask uh, uh, the qualified referee here about Ashley Cole on, on Chicharito. Now, uh, it's a two-part question. <laughs> uh, it looked to me like... He was not going in, I mean, with the intention to hurt him. Like, he still should have been booked. Looked to me like he was trying to block the shot. But what I don't get is if the referee calls a yellow, it's because he's seen a foul that's in the penalty box. Should that have been a penalty, or is there some quirk to the no, uh, no, laws no, of the no, game? I don't no, understand. And I, think, I, think, I think a few pundits mentioned it. Uh, maybe they didn't mention it very clearly. But if the, ball, the ball's out of play when the um, foul takes place, which was what happened mm-hmm. then you you give you 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 you, book, you can book the player for dangerous play but you don't have to give a free kick because the game's dead hang on didn't ashley cole bring him down as he shot no the, the ball reason? the ball if you look at it in slow mo the ball the ball the, the game was dead at that point the ball had gone but, but that's because chicharito got to the ball first I'm, I'm going to rewind match of the day two now and just get to that point because I'm sure, I'm sure that. Ooh, do it! Do it while we're talking to you. That'd be good. Pardon? Do it now. I am. I'm doing it now. Good. I've got it on time thirty. So. Although oh, in no. a way it doesn't it doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> oh, what you climb see. Climb back. It doesn't matter what you see because it's what the referee and his officials thought they saw. Okay, but if he did, then he well. Then should have been. But it is a relevant point. I mean, it is. if it was in the act of shooting, as Peter says, it should have been a penalty. Well, they took a judgment that 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 moment had gone that moment had passed the ball was no longer in play there was no longer a threat on goal he tried he'd failed Peter um, mm-hmm. you good with the Cole Chicharito thing yet? yeah I've got it here yeah and yeah. is Alison right? Um, I think she I think that's she must be right in that that is the way the officials perceived it but it's it's rot I've got it on I've got it on Alison's point isn't rot the decision is rot <laughs> So from Old Trafford to um, to White Hart Lane, uh, 
I have to say, uh, Spurs beating Liverpool 4-0. I tweeted that this was, after the first half, oh, this was possibly Liverpool's worst 45 minutes of the season or worst 45 minutes under dog leash. And I was inundated, absolutely inundated by Liverpool fans saying, take the possibly out. This was absolute rubbish. This was the worst (laughs) 45 minutes in the history of the universe. Um, Alison, you weren't one of the Liverpool fans who tweeted me, but... um, it was pretty dire, and it didn't get any better, did it? No, and uh, it was interesting. It was, I haven't seen a game between two teams that are are supposedly high quality and both with um, ambitions to, to getting into the Champions League next season. I've never seen a game of supposedly that high quality where, from about the third minute, it was perfectly clear how it was going. Um, and there was a huge gulf in class and application, and it, it was it was um, it was it was it was almost difficult, difficult to, sort of to, to comprehend what was going on. Liverpool did look like they mixed up the time of kickoff, and they'd all just had steak, chips, and trifle, and were kind of shocked to be there and to be surprised when you go to Spurs. By the way, they you know Spurs play a certain way at home. They have loads of pace, um, and when they play well, you know, they, they, and they have their spasms of twenty minutes or so. Spurs in, in every match at home. Their, their, their problem I think is not being able to, to sustain it and sometimes looking a bit wobbly later in a game but Liverpool did not look like they knew what the hell was going on and um, it was it was peculiar very very peculiar and, and and Kenny said I don't know why we started so badly okay. he has, he has no idea why know, Rudd doesn't know does Robson know why were Liverpool so bad they didn't earn the right to play right from the kick in every football game you have to earn the right to play you have to you know win the battle you have to make sure that you play a, a level or a tempo that, that gets you on top of the game before you can start passing the ball with ease what Liverpool wanted to go out and do was pass the ball with ease right from the kickoff. they went from the kickoff, they went back to Carrick Carragher has to rush it back to Rayner who kicks it and then Rayner kept on rolling it out to their centre halves and their full backs T- Tottenham kept on pressing and from that moment on they were in trouble and Tottenham's movement Tottenham's passing was excellent the midfield three uh, uh, couldn't, of Liverpool couldn't cope they were able to get the ball out to the right back with ease Tottenham then when they tried to close that down they created an overload in central midfield the front players kept on coming back from Tottenham and, and, and created another overload in midfield I was. I looked at Liverpool and I thought they looked like a team that hadn't had any game plan before they went out there. They thought they could. The game was going to be. Uh, they could play at their own tempo, and you can't ever do that. But you why, have to earn the right what, to play. Stuart, but I, I agree with you completely. But why would you? Why would anyone, let alone a top club, go to White Hart Lane, and and almost? Well, that's, forget, that, forget what Spurs can well, do. That's, that's Had what, they only watched the Man City um, That's what I would, I would worry about. If I, if I was a, a Liverpool supporter or, or, or anybody, I would say, what was the management doing before the game? What were they telling the players? You've got Andy Carroll in your side. You've got Suarez in your side. For the first 15 minutes, let's get it into the front players and play from there. Let's force Tottenham back. And then, we, then when we get on top of the game, then we'll start play, playing through midfield and controlling the game. But if you try and control, control the game from your own half and Tottenham press the and keep winning it back you're asking for trouble and they didn't learn their lesson after five minutes Kenny Dalglish should have been out to the side of the pitch and said don't play out from the back get it into the front place let's start playing from there let's bypass Tottenham's midfield if they're going to press us high up the field there must be space in behind them let's get it up to Carroll then we'll play from there but nothing was nothing was done and they carried on playing tippy-tappy football in their own half they kept on losing the ball and Tottenham couldn't believe their luck 
Um, Lansley, hey, we, 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 we point out Liverpool's flaws. Um, I, I just thought that Doug Leish, maybe like me, didn't think Spurs were any good and thought, oh, we'll just pass circles around them because it's Tottenham. Um, but, uh, but, but I don't know. I, there might be more to it than that. But it was obviously an awful performance. Obviously, all credit to Spurs. But um, what interested me is we saw four four two here um, with uh, with Jermaine Defoe uh, off of uh, off of Adebayor. Um, what I wonder is. What's the implication here, uh, if any, for um, Mr. Van der Vaart? And um, you think they'll play four four two the rest of the year? Well, it's, I think Scott Parker's key to all this, isn't it? Because that's going to give Harry Redknapp the confidence that someone will. I know, I know he can drive forward, etc. But he knows how to hold properly, doesn't he, Parker? He's a, Does he? I, I think so. Who yeah. Was it? Well, we had Parker in the England game. Who, who was on that? Would you remember Skinner? They were absolutely slaughtering Parker. I was on yeah. the show, and I think Paddy was giving <laughs> Parker a terrible time. But yeah, sorry. I thought he was all right. So go up. So well, if it is four four two, I mean, and and it is Defoe and Adebayor, Adebayor, um, you know, th- those two guys up front, mm-hmm. Adebayor and Pavlochenko, maybe whatever. Um, if Parker's obviously in there, um, Modric. Does it mean Modric goes back to playing wide? Does he play wide on the right? Or does Van der Vaart go wide? How does he make it fit? I, I think looking at that, just looking at that formation, obviously Bale have to play and you have to let him go. And I, I think you would, Van der Vaart would have to compete with Cranshaw there and play tucked in on the wide, on, you know, narrow wide right because you've got Kyle Walker bombing on outside him. And then also Adebayor, I, I didn't watch that game in detail, but Adebayor will probably, you know, he, he likes to roam, doesn't he? He likes to go and sort of pop up in unusual places like Carney used to. Um, and then that Van der Vaart might be able to interchange with that. If I'm Van der Vaart, after what I did last year, I look at my pedigree, I expect Van der Vaart to start was a problem every game. for Tottenham last year. He played well when they had the ball, but I, I saw games where Van der Vaart played in the hole behind, and like I was talking about Rooney earlier on, Van der Vaart played in the hole, and they had someone like Crouch or Pavlyuchenko up mm-hmm. in front of him. When the opposition had the ball... Van der Vaart couldn't defend so the opposition started to dominate midfield and that was a problem for, for, for Harry Redknapp how do I fit Van der Vaart in the team Van der Vaart was a problem particularly away from home yes at home when they're dominating the play he could play in the hole he could drift all around the field away from home he didn't really want to play Van der Vaart because he was a liability defensively isn't it much simpler just to drop the foe and bring him off the bench or not bring him off the bench well yesterday iOS helps you control which apps you share your exact location with. There's more to iPhone. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, well, first of all, yesterday, given the way Liverpool played, I mean, I think this cup of tea could have played well, <laughs> you know, and been rather effective. But I, I, I don't know, I just find it interesting that Defoe scores a goal and then all of a sudden it's taken for granted that he is one of the starting center forward or you know, one of the two starters for, um, for Spurs. When, to me at least, in the past 12 months, I don't know that he's done anything to say that, you know, well, yeah, he needs to be in the side. And Van der Vaart doesn't play that many games, does he? He does tend to get niggles. He doesn't, I don't think he seems to have the best... Um, mobility in the world like Stuart's saying don't ask him to defend too much so if he's going to be coming in and out and he wants to pick his games well sure we'll go with that all right, enough Tottenham. The jury's out. We'll see what we'll see what Harry does and uh, how he copes with his uh, uh, various headaches, as uh, Allison puts them. Um, but let's go to Ewood Park. I, I know I, I know Stuart's gagging to talk about this. Okay, Blackburn and Arsenal. Um, Rovers win 4-3. Uh, big shout out to uh, Steve Keane and, and Vankies and the rest of the... I mean, I think they got to they have to be like some of the most derided people, um, I, I think, in, in recent memory. Um, but they got a big win. Somebody had the foresight to sign the Yak, who scored two goals. And, and I think, you know, we can all joke about, oh, look at Yakubu, he's so fat and whatever. But, you know, <laughs> point is, his goals to minutes on the pitch ratio is is pretty good. And, and maybe that's what, what Blackburn needed. Um, but I want to start with you. This is obviously a game that could have gone either way. Were there just Have you ever seen Arsenal make this many mistakes? Individual mistakes? team mistakes, tactical errors in a single game? Yes, uh, I have. And, and got Don't away say with last that. week. No, I've, I've seen them make lots of mistakes defensively. They're still not a, a particularly good defensive side. The creative side of the game is excellent. And what we were talking about, Manchester United, you have to get the balance right between attacking play and defensive play. And at the moment, Arsenal aren't defending well enough. I mean, they created so many opportunities, even in the last 20 minutes, when they're slinging the ball into the box, things you don't expect of Arsenal. Some of the crossing was magnificent. And Mertesacker got onto the ball, Shamak scores with his head. Arsenal looked dominant when they were crossing the ball into the box. But Defensively, there were so many things wrong. You know, the, the first goal, many pundits, I was listening to pundits saying, oh, well, the other two said that the uh, Cossioni should, should squeeze up and so should Santos. No, the first problem was if Murtasaka gets back from the position where he was a little bit too high and gets back and recovers into diagonally into a, a good line, Yakubu doesn't get in behind them. Then it, when he doesn't get into a good line, Cossioni should play like a sweeper and see the danger and cover round. That was the, that was the first mistake. Then they, they there's nothing wrong with zonal marking, but... Blackburn were very clever. They put Yakubu, uh, not Yakubu. Alan Shearer doesn't they, like zonal marking. Oh, oh well, that's, that that's definitely one way not to go then. So Samba played one side uh, and Zonzi, the other good header of the ball, and they just kept on missing Murtasaka out. So Murtasaka didn't, the big Arsenal player that's good in the air, he didn't head the ball once when it came into the box because Blackburn kept on playing away from him. Um, Peter, this is Arsenal's worst start in 58 years. Um, will this be the worst season in 58 years? Um, well, I don't think they're likely to win anything. I don't think um, Arsene Wenger is a man who looks like he's in control of the situation. Um, they've obviously lost two of their very best players and asking Aaron Ramsey to come in and be Cesc Fabregas now. Uh, has he turned 20 yet? 
is too big an ask. Um, in transition... So, sorry, to be fair to Wenger, I think he's asking Arteta to do the Fabregas job, right? Not Ramsey. Yeah, okay, yeah. But, I mean... Spanish, Barcelona, knows the Premier League. I mean, not quite Fabregas, but, you know, kind of like... Yeah, best replacement you, know, you can fair, get. Fair point. And Arteta's class, isn't it? And he'll have, he will have a bit more authority. But it, it's, it's not someone who's, who's been in the Arsenal way of things, who's going to come in and be their captain and, and you know, wear his heart on the sleeve in, in the same way that Fabregas did when he was at his best for that three or four years. Uh, basically, I'm, I'm trying to get away from the fact I think Wenger's on the way out. <laughs> Right. <laughs> oh, you're too you're too upset to countenance that, are you, Peter? Well, I can just imagine all the Arsenal, well, my neighbours and Arsenal fan. I can just imagine them saying, "But he's God and he's brilliant, and we play beautiful football." And I agree with all that, but I just think he's lost the plot. I just think the whole defensive thing is now almost far. Mind of thirteens defended better than that yesterday, and we had five minutes working on corners before kickoff. How'd you do? What was the final score? It was four all. <laughs> that's a defensive performance to boast about conceding (laughs) four goals they were brilliant Um, I tell you final word on 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 Blackburn Rovers um, because like I said I mean it's been open season on them Um, just want to have a quick have a quick whip round and I would like you to all give me your percentage chances of the Rovers staying up uh, in like you to let me take that again. I had the hiccup. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just gonna have a quick whip round. I'd like to get your percentage chances of Blackburn staying up, Stuart. I'm gonna go sixty percent chance. Ooh, better than fifty-fifty, Allison. Ninety. Oh, so such love for the Venkies and Steve Keen, Peter. Forty. Forty. I I am absolutely I'm absolutely shocked. Hey, well, what's your what's your number then? It, it's it's considerably less. This week we're going to, um, in our debate this week, we're going to, this is sli- somewhat on the back of the Dispatches documentary, which, which aired last Monday. But I, I don't, I don't just, I mean, I had a lot of problems with it and you can go look at my Twitter feed with what it was. Um, but I, I don't want us to just go and tear the Dispatches crew a new one. Um, I would, uh, uh, I, I do want to raise the issue of, of drugs in, in football. Um, well, one of the big sticking points and one of the big sort of contentious issues was the issue of recreational drugs. And I want to get into the ethical issue of whether it's your employer's business or whether it's the FA's business. But it's just the fact of, you know, in England, the policy is if you fail um, a drug test um, for recreational drugs, um, they do not make it public. Um, do you, does anybody see a problem with that or is it the right approach? Obviously, the filmmakers who made dispatches had a big problem with it. Stuart? Well, I, I, I come from a coach's, coaching point of view. I, I was disgusted when one of our players was, was uh, and uh, I didn't realise he'd actually been caught for it before. And, he'd, and, uh, and then the physio was, was hiding it because he was letting him have Mondays off. He was saying, oh, he, he, he's phoned up and he said he's got a flu because he knew the testers were coming in on Monday. And he was taking cocaine. He was going out on a Saturday night taking cocaine and I felt cheated as the coach and the manager felt cheated and I, w- I would say the supporters should feel cheated because he's been paid a good wage and if you start doing anything that will affect your performance uh, as badly as that would do then I think it should be out in the public eye. And it affects um, your teammates and your opposition. You know, if you're playing against someone whose judgment is uh, enhanced or impaired, altered by a drug... 
the way you come together on the pitch will be different. You you could yeah, you, can call, you can call you can cause you can cause no. But if, it's, if, if 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 you are altering your personality or your approach to the game or it's in your system in any way, that 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 is that is immoral and and therefore has to be publicly known because that that's. You know, I've played football. I've I have played football at such a low level that various people have been pissed, and if, <laughs> they think they're great, and they think, "Oh, I can carry on running." But it impairs. You know, it's like dry, drink driving. You're a bit slower, so your trackles come in a bit later. You, everything, everything. Drugs have an yeah, impact at some level somewhere, right. and it will at some point down the line, someone will get an injury because the op- the person they're playing against. They're not who they were because of the drugs. Peter, can I, um, can I Peter, ask an ex-professional. What what was the attitude in the in the 1980s when, if if legend is to be believed, or it probably still happens now, teammates would be coming in after a, a good heavy session. Maybe Tuesday was the drink day. Come into training on Wednesday, and you could still smell alcohol on teammates' breath. Well, I I, I was actually disgusted. I uh, only ever drunk on a Saturday night. I couldn't understand why players. I, I couldn't. I wouldn't have been able to perform in training if I'd had a drink the night before because that was just that was my mentality and that was my rule that I would only drink and, and not too heavily anyway on a Saturday night because uh, obviously you had to recover. But I was disgusted, and there was players uh, when I was playing for Arsenal that would come in straight from the night out, and the and the coach uh, at the time, John Cartwright, uh, who was the first team coach, and, and and I used to be in the car park, and we. Should see them come in from the so night. So you would out. accept, Stuart, that it does affect your Absolutely. performance. Yeah. Not, not just in terms of oh, we're here, not. We're, we're, it would affect your your teammates in training. You would you might hurt them, whereas but you wouldn't I, if I, you I wasn't, I wasn't actually worried about them hurting me. What I was worried about is that we're trying to become a better team, and part of that is training well. And if you if your teammates are out uh, getting drunk the night before and coming in still uh, worse for wear, how can you train properly? How can that be good for your body? How can you put in a good performance on a Saturday if you spend most of the week? about the morals of whether this is public knowledge or private knowledge if if what's been in your bloodstream well, what, or is yeah, in your bloodstream is going to affect yeah, what you do to other people drink is not illegal cocaine is illegal Rec- most recreational drugs are illegal that's a totally but, different thing okay but but that's that's where you get into a whole other territory whether it's the police's job or it's the employer's mm-hmm. job I mean certainly I think the just to put the FA's case forward for not making um, these tests public is they view it as if you test positive for recreational drugs you have a problem you know you've got some kind of condition which prevents you from observing the law and therefore uh, just as we wouldn't necessarily make you know a, a drunk driving case public um, you know depending on, on the circumstances we will work with you we will get you help and so that you can overcome this condition if we're satisfied that you're not doing it to cheat um, Lansley is this a, a valid argument is it an ethical argument well, the, the FA should be allowed to keep it private. Yeah, for the reasons that yeah. they give. Um, should be allowed to keep it private. Okay. Do you want to have a think I, about I it? I'll ask Alison in the meantime. Let's, well, let's, let's draw a parallel. If you, if you are driving along and the police pull you over and uh, you have too much uh, drugs or alcohol in your blood and... Uh, you go to court. That is automatically public knowledge. No, if no, you're so at work, if, you if you're at work, if you're work working in a factory, and the factory decides to do because they're allowed to because you've signed some sort of contract of employment, do a blood test and find that you had too too high levels in your bloodstream for um, uh, operating the machinery. 
they then they it's that's not the police that's an internal matter and then they they have to, as a group as a, a, an organization they have to decide right. whether what would you do? You can keep you can keep that internal and deal with it internally. If you were the football manager and one of your players got caught for drugs, uh, would you uh, not performance enhancing drugs, cre- uh, recreational drugs? What would you do about it? Well, it depends who the player is. I mean, in, in the real world, the real politics oh, world, no, no, no. It, the, 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 it doesn't matter who the player. Of course, is. it does because the, the player is an asset to is an asset to the club. So it depends on their, their market value, then, Gab. So in the, the real world, in the real world, that's how uh, it works. But, but, so if I have Adrian well, Mutu in my club and I want to get rid of him because I don't like him and because I think he's got a whole raft of problems and he's got a long-term contract, then I make the con- make it public and I use it uh, as a reason. It is grounds for termination. If it's somebody else who I believe has made a mistake, who I believe is salvageable, then I don't make it public because I'm hurting myself and I'm hurting my employer and I'm hurting my company. No, you've got two different things there. You were just saying, you know, if they've got a problem, I can help them. Your, your starting point there was, if they're a really good player and they're really marketable, then I keep it private. Yes, if, if they're it, rubbish and I want them off the books, then great. Well, great. You're, you're I, I don't care what sort of player they are. They have cheated you and yeah. your club. And the, you, okay, so you, you, you you're going to cut off your nose to spite your, your, your I face. Would, yes, yeah. I would. So instead of sending Diego Maradona to go and get help, for example, and keeping it under wraps as best you can. Well, obviously, with Maradona, it's impossible to keep anything under wraps. Well, that's a bad um, example. But, isn't it? but no, but but but, but in, instead of doing that and try to get him treatment and whatever and keep it on the quiet, you would have just said, "Hey, Maradona, go away." Hang on, you haven't heard. I'm going to cancel your contract. No, I'd say oh, we're going to suspend you for for two months, and I'm going to make it. I'm going to tell the public why you're suspended, mm. and you're going to. We might go and get your help or whatever you're going to do, but we would make it public, and I would suspend him for two months. If I was the owner of the company, I wouldn't want to employ you for that very reason because your job. Is to is to dampen. Is, 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 your job would depress the value of the assets of my company. And in your analogy with the factory, I think it is a very fair analysis. But it's the factory that tests you. I.e., the analogy here, it's the clubs that test you internally. It's not like there's some you know a national organization of factory workers who goes and tests every uh, and goes and tests every factory worker. And I think th- and I think you know that's that's the big difference there. Um, I, I I just think I, I actually. By the FA's line about not making them, not making these tests public, uh, WADA doesn't. Um, WADA doesn't require it. I think rightly so. What what maybe you could do is, in certain circumstances and with repeat offenders, I think there's a case to be made to to be making these cases public. But if it's not a cheating matter, if it's a private matter, I. I'm kind of comfortable deferring, you know, treating each case on on on, on, on a case by case basis. Depending on much, how much money that player makes for your club and how much you're depreciating value. Well, I'm the. Well, it depends who you're talking about. If it depends who you're talking about. If it's a test done by the employer, that's uh, how I, I expect the employer. Immor- I find that an immoral view. Sorry, it doesn't matter. Have who you it seen is. some of the people who own football clubs? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I mean, if you're saying what the FA, from my point of view, well, put it this way: I, I expect the FA and the Premier League to behave a lo- behave mm. according to certain ethical and moral standards. Mm. I don't necessarily expect the clubs to do that, you know, on, on, on this type of matter, because the club's job is to look after the well-being of the club. The FA and the Premier League have, you know, a slightly higher, more elevated mission, don't they? Gab, you're just lining yourself up with the... You're just getting in line with the cheats, with that attitude. You, you're either underpinning your, your whole sort of policy, your, the whole way you live your life, by moral matters or by commercial matters. You can't fudge it. It's one or the other. 
No, I, I, no because there's a, there's a personal moral sphere. Let me give you another example um, about the moral sphere, right? If, if, if I own a football club, right, I may have a player whose sexual practices I don't like and I find morally and ethically repugnant, but that's in his private life. Do I have the right to go and sack him for what he does in his private life? Are they legal or illegal? Let's assume that they're legal. Okay, well, I think maybe there's a, there's a drawing line yeah, for you. Yeah, drugs are illegal. Right, but the clubs aren't law enforcement. It's not... I mean, the clubs have the right to terminate. No, but what I'm saying is... Or suspend the player or do whatever you want. If somebody in your charge, in your club, is taking illegal drugs, you have every right to ban them. You have every right to suspend them. No, 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 no. Take a step back. I'm not saying you don't have the right to do that. Right? These people sign contracts. They they agree to drug testing, right? Uh, uh, Policemen also agree to random drug drug tests as well, right? Um, And and rightly so. And I I believe in some cases doctors do as well. So I'm not saying the clubs don't have a right to do that. I'm saying they don't have an obligation to go and make their names public. Do they have the right to then get rid of the player, sell him on without telling the buying club that they have a drug problem? That's the mm. FA. The FA say that they do because it is, it's a private matter and it's a matter that's helped by treatment. And you're not going to help the player if, if the, this fact becomes public. Well, there is a there is a middle ground. It's not public, but it's known between the the buying and the selling. Yeah, but club. you know as well as I do that there's no such thing. I mean, once it's known between the buying and the selling club, you know that means the agents know, and it's very easy at that point. You know, it will get out. You know? well, I think that's the risk someone who takes drugs has to take, isn't it? I have my duck whistle ready, and that can only mean one thing. It's time for quick hits. Now, before we get into it, I've had a lot of complaints about the duck whistle, how horrible it sounds, how annoying it is. So please, I beg of you, be cooperative. Do not make me use it. How long do we get? You get 25 seconds. Okay. I'm picturing you in your kitchen with your egg timer. Manchester City blow a two-goal lead away to Fulham and have to settle for a point. Roberto Mancini is getting stick for taking off David Silva in the second half and replacing him with Pablo Zabaleta. Alison, are you going to also blame the negative but very handsome Italian <laughs> manager? He's not that handsome. Um, Relative to other Premier League managers, okay, he is. granted, granted. Um, I don't think he was being negative. I think... Mancini was being sensible. Fulham had scored. The tide had turned. Admittedly, very surprisingly, it didn't look like it could go that way. Um, And City had been playing very attacking, free-for-all football. And Mancini simply thought, oh, I think we need to just be a bit more sensible here, tighten up a little bit, and uh, I'll bring bring on a defensive-minded player. That's not negative. That's trying to be sensible. And events bore out that maybe he should have been more negative. Probably a, probably a better explanation than the lame excuse of not having enough players that he came up with after the game. <laughs> uh, it's the usual two sides to Joey Barton. He plays brilliantly in QPR's 3-0 win at Wolves and then taunts opposing fans and gets into a ruckus with Carl Henry at the final whistle. Uh, Peter, uh, we better get used to this, right? And was Henry's behavior a mitigating factor? What are they saying out there in the Midlands? Well, we had better get used to it. I think uh, Joey Barton, although Newcastle is high profile, he's going to love London. He's going to love the amount of tension he gets. 
and even this morning on Twitter he's having a go at someone on 77 followers having a go at numb nuts and telling him to get 100 followers before he has a go at him um, how many times was Joey Barton in the England provisional squad last season? Fewer than Carl Henry. Is Henry's behaviour mitigating? Um, the referee did not blow the whistle for that tackle at the end, so I think we'd better let the ref be judge and jury on that. Joey Barton should shut up. <laughs> but I liked his very helpful uh, comments uh, about match of the day and, uh, and how rubbish uh, Lee Dixon was. Yeah. Honestly, I I am so diametrically opposed to his views on what makes a good pundit. I actually quite rate Lee Dixon. He's the best one, isn't he? Well, you're asking me to pay favorites there. I'm not going to do that. Can't be public. That can't be public. No, can't say publicly. Like that. that has to be private. If he was worth a lot of money, then we'd think about it. I, I will show more dignity to respond to that. <laughs> Sunderland storm back to pummel Stoke 4 0. They even score off set pieces. Stuart, is this a wearside renaissance or was it just a case of Stoke not being as good as we thought? Stoke are only a good team when they play at 100%, when they're fully fit and they've they're got their minds on the game. They had a long trip away in the Europa Cup. They weren't at the races. They didn't work hard enough. They didn't play at 100%, and that's why they lost the game by four goals. Not because Sunderland was suddenly a good side. Probably start slightly improving side, given that. Gab, here's one for you. Um, Real Madrid lost at the weekend. I thought La Liga had become like Scotland. What's happening? Well, yeah, maybe La Liga is a little more competitive than people realise. Uh, uh, Jose Mourinho made a bunch of changes uh, um, in, his, in his team, but you know, still good players out there. Kaká, Contral, um, Di Maria, and, uh, and, and against a, a veteran team like Levante, a very well-organised team, they frustrated them. They just simply couldn't score. It was a bad pitch in the second half. Ronaldo came on. Before that, Di Maria had a, had a Tierney-like uh, hissy fit and threw himself to the ground. Um, a very bad night at the office for uh, the special one. That's all we've got time for this week. But remember, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk. You'll find your news, your gossip, your analysis. There's also web chats. Mine's on Tuesdays. So until next week, peace out. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.